Well, this weekend got weird real quick. And uh, those of you that received my email and maybe the texts and the word that went out, you know why that is. Uh, in short, COVID's not over and surprised us a bit. Uh, even with my previous declarations that we would not suspend services again, I always paused with that and said, unless we see a reason we should. And yesterday especially we saw a bit of a reason for that. So uh, not to belabor the point, but uh, it, the, the fact is we needed to push the reset button, just push, push the pause button for at least one Sunday, going to regroup this week, do not anticipate any other flutters along the way or any other needs to reset, but hey, either way, we know God's in charge and, and he's taking care of us, and we, we praise him and we thank him for that. If you have your Bible, find with me the New Testament book of Hebrews and chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, and hold your place there for just a minute. This morning, we continue the series we began last week, uh, that is, Don't Be Afraid, How God's Greatest Promise Strengthens Your Faith. God's Greatest Promise and how that strengthens your faith. Time and time again in Scripture, we see that God tells us, do not be afraid, and he couples, he couples that command with a promise. I am with you. I am with you. I am your God. In some fashion or form, God repeats that throughout Scripture. Over and over we see that he commands us, he tells us, do not be afraid, and he couples that with his promise. I am with you. Last week, we unpacked Psalm 23 and saw it as a foundation for the four installments that would follow. We saw how God fulfills that promise. And today, we're going to drill a bit deeper into the first of those walls we'll construct on that foundation, that God is with us. The first of those is that God sustains us. He provides for us. He cares for us in every season of life. We know that God is taking care of us. And it's for that reason we do not have to worry about money. We do not have to worry about material possessions. Even though we are tempted to be afraid whether we will have what we need tomorrow or get what we want, we don't need to worry about that. We can trust God to sustain us and take care of us. In 2014, the actor James Earl Jones was interviewed as he had once again voiced Darth Vader in the Star Wars series. He has voiced Darth Vader for many years in every installment and uh, he was interviewed by CBS in 2014 as they wrapped up the film Rogue One, a Star Wars story in which, once again, he voiced Darth Vader. And the interviewer for CBS, uh, Jamie, Wa Jamie Wax, um, asked him, was it true, asked James Earl Jones, was it true that when you were young, you had a stuttering problem? You were a stutterer. He said, oh, yes, it's absolutely true. He said, I, I, I never spoke if I didn't have to, because I always stuttered. It was very difficult, very embarrassing to even get uh, the letters out, let alone the words. But he said he had a school teacher, when he was a kid, he had a school teacher that knew that he loved poetry and that he loved to read poetry and could even write poetry. And that school teacher said something to him that he never forgot. She said to him, someone who loves language and art and words as much as you do should learn to speak them and love them by speaking them. So he said, I took that to heart, and I learned to speak the words that I love. And he said, I soon found that I had a knack for Shakespeare. And I, and I started memorizing and reading and learning Shakespeare. He said, and he paused with the interview, and he said, it's interesting that had I never been a stutterer, I never would have been an actor. 
But I learned Shakespeare and took to the stage with Shakespeare. And he said, that's how my acting career began. And that's how I started overcoming, overcoming my problem with stuttering. And he said, the, the more I went, the, the better I got. But he said, even to this day, even to this day, he said, the script is never far away. He said, I'll keep the script at hand because, and he, he chuckled a bit, and he said, because sometimes the vowels and the conflicts just want, the, the vowels and the consonants just want to get into a conflict in my mouth, and I have a hard time getting them out. So I have that script right beside me. Now, as the interview went on, uh, Jamie Wax made a comment. He said to James Earl Jones uh, that his career, James Earl Jones' career, seemed like the pursuit of happiness. And James Earl Jones said, no. He said, by taking one step at a time, I found great treasures. Every step I take, it's just about being content. That's all. He said, I don't know what the pursuit of happiness is. What do you mean? Pursuit of happiness. No, he said, contentment. If that doesn't put a glow on your face, nothing really will. That's a biblical sentiment. It's not about happiness. It's about contentment. The world tells us it's about happiness. And we become very materialistic. And because we become materialistic, we fall into two different fears you know, over the course of our lives. And every human being does this. The first fear is that we are afraid we will not have what we need. The second fear is that we are afraid we will not get what we want. Jesus, God throughout the Bible, and Jesus himself, and then the Apostle Paul, frequently addresses that first fear, you will not have what you need. Jesus constantly says, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about what you, what you want or what you need. God will take care of that. Jesus says that God knows what you need even before you ask. But he wants you to ask because he wants a relationship with you. And asking is trusting and knowing that he'll, you'll have what you need. It's how you grow in that relationship. The Apostle Paul wrote, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious for things and material things. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the Apostle Paul would write of his own life. He said, I know what it's like to be in plenty, to have everything I want, everything I need, and to be in want, that is, lack what I have. And he said, I have learned to be content in all circumstances. It's not about happiness. That's attached to material things. It's about contentment. And God overcomes the fear that we won't have what we need by reminding us he provides for us and he sustains us. But the next door neighbor, the cousin to the fear of not having what you need is the fear of not getting what you want. So by human nature, our old sinful self covets what other people have. We look out on the world and we look at other people's lives and we say, I'd like a life like that. I'd like a car like that. I'd like a house like that. I'd like an income like that. Why can't I have that? And we become more and more materialistic. And that's the, the character of our culture is materialism. I mean, think about it. We would never see an advertisement in print, online, or on television if people were not prone to covet. To say, I should have that. I deserve that. I'm entitled to that. And we live in fear that we will not get what we want. The Bible teaches that both of those things arise from the same problem, sin. And the sin of not trusting God leads us to worry about if we'll have what we need and get what we want. The antidote to both is to cultivate contentment. 
And we cultivate contentment when we realize we do not need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of not having what we need or not getting what we want. Instead, God is always with us. He directs our lives. He cares for us. He's with us, and He will sustain us. He will give us what we need, provide for us what we need. And we know that we have become people who are content when what we need is what we want. And we're not afraid. The book of Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews, one of the great books of the New Testament, the author did not sign it. We, we don't know, in fact, who wrote it. A lot of people think the Apostle Paul did. A lot of people think someone else wrote the book of Hebrews. And it's kind of inconsequential because God preserved it for us. It's the inspired word of God. So God speaks to us about this fear of not having what we need or not getting what we want and, and how to cultivate contentment when he points to the fact that reminds us that God is always with us. The chapter 13 wraps up the book of Hebrews with ethical instructions. And we're going to step into those ethical instructions uh, at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. And look with me in, in, in these few verses we're going to read this morning as the writer of the Hebrews and the Word of God addresses our fear that we will not have what we need or get what we want. Chapter 13 and verse 5. The Bible says, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. Now listen, For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Therefore, we may say, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The promise of God's provision circulates around that basic truth. He himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. He himself has said, the writer underscores that, God has said this, this is God's promise, and God never goes back on his promises. God sustaining you is a part of his character, his promises come out of his character, so if God says, I will be with you, I will never leave you, he himself has said that, and you don't need to worry. It's not, in other words, it's not just a, a, a pie-in-the-sky platitude of Christians that, that God is with us. It's not some crutch we lean on when we're going through hard times. Yes, God is with me, or at least I hope he is. No, God himself has said this. That means your circumstances, your situation, your fears, your heartaches cannot change that. God's promises depend on his character, not your circumstances. And God's promises do not depend on your earning his merit or your good behavior. His promises are on his character. They're staked into his character. And he has promised this himself. What did he promise? I will never leave you or abandon you. I will never leave you or abandon you. Here the writer uh, comp comprises actually several quotations from Scripture, and in our next installment, we're going to look at one of these, Deuteronomy 31.6. So let's have a preview of that. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, the Bible says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid, for the Lord your God is, is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. The Scripture repeats that several times. He himself has made this promise. What's the promise? that he will never leave you or abandon you. It's a very emphatic statement. And in the Greek language of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, 
the emphasis, the emphatic nature of it is, is underscored. It's hard for us to bring this over into English, but if we were to translate it very literally, it would say something like, God will never, ever, no, never, ever leave you. It's a double-double negative. It's an absolute. God will never, never, no, never, ever leave you. He himself has said this. In other words, there are no circumstances on planet Earth that will cause God to leave you if you trust him. Now, if you turn your back on him, he may take disciplinary action, but think about it. Even so, he's still in your life. And if you're trusting God, you can know absolutely. Listen, the circumstances do not dictate whether or not God is with you. He has made you a promise. He will never, ever, no, never, ever leave you or forsake you or abandon you. When this was written, the writer to the Hebrews was particularly addressing Christians undergoing persecution. Uh, it was a time in their lives and let me, let me say on the side, a time we may see in our future in which Christianity was punished in the culture. And one of the ways it was punished, by Christians were not permitted to purchase things in the marketplace. They were last to get anything that they needed. People who worshipped the emperor came first. Even Jews were put ahead of Christians eventually. Uh, they were not allowed to hold certain jobs. They were not allowed to have certain neighbors to worship in certain places. And it would be easy for that Christian to say, where is God in all of this? Well, here's your answer. He hasn't gone anywhere. Your circumstances do not dictate the character of God or what you know about him. The word of God does, and the word of God tells you he will never, ever, know, ever never leave you or abandon you. He is with you, as we read last week, he is with you in the valley of the shadow of death. He will not leave you and will not forsake you. Now, knowing that, let's return to this truth that God sustains us, God provides for us, God takes care of us. And let's unpack these verses circulating around that promise that God never leaves you or abandons you. So here it is. Three things to remember this morning. First of all, because God is with you, you can cultivate contentment. Because God is with you, you can cultivate contentment. If God were not with you, you would have a hard time cultivating contentment because you would worry all the time about your circumstances and worry about your provision and worry about getting what you want. But listen, because God will never leave you or abandon you, you don't need to worry about those things. Instead, you can cultivate contentment as you go along this road of life. Keep your life free from the love of money, the writer says. Be satisfied with what you have. Those two sentences actually uh, translate just one key phrase that means make your life as you go. Literally, it's making yourself free from the love of money as you go through life. It, it pictures someone on a journey, much like Psalm 23. The shepherd is leading you. The shepherd is guiding you. Why are you worried about money? Why are you worried about material possessions? Why are you worried about your provision and what will sustain you? You choose. You decide on the road to Keep yourself free from that worry. Uh, and in particular, the writer says, the love of money. This is very literal in the text. Uh, but it means that your character would love money. That as part of your nature, you're materialistic. You're loving money. Stay away from that, the writer says. Don't do that, the Bible teaches. Instead, be satisfied with what you have. The term translated satis satisfied means content. 
Choose to be content. As the Apostle Paul says, I have learned to be content. I've made a choice. Whether I've got a lot of stuff and everything I need or at the moment I'm lacking, I have chosen to be content. On this path in life, in whatever circumstances I am in, because I know God is with me and he will sustain me and he will take care of me. The Bible doesn't condemn money or possessions or material things uh, in and of themselves. Basically, the Bible pictures money and material possessions as neutral. That's not the problem. The problem is our, our attitude and our character and the sin in our lives makes us want to covet what other people have and worry about what we need. Both of those things can be overcome when we simply cultivate contentment in our lives. How do we do that? We do that by reminding ourselves God is always with us and we can trust him. We do that, as the Apostle Paul says, by learning to be content along the way. Notice he didn't say, I woke up one morning and suddenly I was content with everything. No, he said, I learned it. I learned it through every season of life because I learned that God will never leave me. I learned that I can trust God in this season and in the next. If you're going through a stage of life where you lack what you need or you struggle because you don't have what you want, turn to him. He's with you. Make go of that. Instead, look for God to work in your, in your circumstances. Watch God provide for you. Watch God take care of you. Watch God shape your contentment. And one day what will happen is you'll realize that what you need is what you want. And you're content with what you have. Because God is with you, you can cultivate contentment. Secondly, because God is with you, you can count on God to help you. You can count on God to help you. He writes, we may boldly say, the phrase means courageously or confidently, I can make this declaration, the Lord is my helper. The writer of the Hebrews quotes Psalm 118 and verse 6 in this passage. The Lord is my helper. The Lord will take care of me. When we think of God as being our helper, and we think of praying to God and asking God, to meet our needs or provide for us or comfort us in our fear and, and we, we take our burdens and our concerns and our anxiety to him, all of which is correct. Do that. Take them to him in prayer, just as the Bible teaches. But when we do that, often we think of God as out there somewhere. And we are praying to him because he doesn't know our situation. But that's not the image of Scripture at all. The image of Scripture, as with this passage here, is the Lord is my helper meaning he is ever-present with me. He, he walks beside me or leads me forward. He's never behind me. The image of the scripture is, again, the journey, the path of the shepherd with the sheep. And in this case, the shepherd knows every need of the moment, and he is fulfilling that need as you go along. He is your helper, your sustainer, your provider. And he already knows what you need before you ask him, before you get there. And the surprise and the wonderment and the joy of walking with Christ is finding that out. That before I even arrived, he had planned for my provision. That, by the way, where we get the term provision from two Latin words that means see ahead. It means that God already knows before you get there what you need. You can boldly declare with confidence, I will not be afraid. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to covet what other people have because the Lord is my helper. Underscore, the Lord is my helper. Uh, he supplants other people. He, he supersedes 
my own abilities. He is my helper, and he will take care of me. He walks beside me. He leads the way. You wake up tomorrow and you say, God, I need help with this. God, hear my prayers. God, are you there? He says, yes, I'm right here. I never left. I never went anywhere. I'm walking with you through this. Let's see what I'm going to do. You can count on God to help you. It's an absolute. It's a promise based on his character, not on your circumstances. God actively participates with you in the course of life and in meeting your needs so that he will be glorified in your life. Not so you'll be glorified, but so that he will be glorified. And you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He takes care of me. Then third, because God is with you. Listen to this. You can choose to be fearless. You can choose to be fearless. You can choose to walk through life not worrying about what you need. As we just read, you can boldly, courageously, and confidently say, the Lord is my helper. And, and right behind that, or right after that, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Now think of the, the persecuted Christian. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? He may try to take my job from me. He may try to prevent me from getting what I need in the marketplace. He may prevent me from working in certain stations in life. But God knows me and God knows my character. What can man do to me when God is on my side? Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? What greater news is there than that? What greater way to take away your fear than to know your God is in your corner? He actually favors you and will take care of you. No reason to be afraid. You can boldly declare, the Lord is my helper. He will always take care of me. I don't need to be afraid. And I don't need to worry about what I don't have or what I wanted but didn't get. Hey, it probably wasn't the best thing for me anyway because God always has his best in mind for me. Uh, this passage doesn't mean you'll, you'll never suffer any physical harm. That's not what it means. What it does mean is that God is always with you in all of your circumstances, all the time. Nothing surprises him, and he's taking care of you. You can choose not to be afraid. You can choose to be courageous. You can choose to face the moment you are in and remind yourself that God is with you, the supreme ruler of the universe, God of all creation, created you, never left you, never forsaken you, always walks with you. Your God is always with you. And because of that, you will have what you need. God sustains you. God takes care of you. And you have nothing to be afraid of. If this morning you find yourself on this journey through life, and yes, you're worried. You're worried about what you, have, what you, what you need and, and don't have and and, and wondering why you don't get what you want and all these things rolled together, remember that God is with you. You don't need to be afraid. Your God walks with you. Cultivate contentment. I'm going to pray that for us in just a minute, but I pray for believers especially to cultivate contentment. Always ask yourself, always ask yourself, what difference does it make that I'm a Christian? If, if my perspective on material possessions is the same as my non-Christian friends, what difference does it make? If I worry about the needs of tomorrow, what difference does it make? 
If I covet what other people have, what difference does it make that I'm a Christian? The difference should be we know that God is with us. He is for us. He will never leave us, never abandon us, never forsake us. And he will always provide for us and always take care of us. In C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, one of the books, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, takes place almost entirely on the Dawn Treader, a ship at sea in Narnia. Uh, the children, Lucy, Eustace, uh, and Edmund, trying to get their names right, uh, are on the ship with the, with the crew as they sail across the sea. And they're headed for a place, they're told, called where dreams come true. The problem is, before they get to where they're going, nightmares will overcome them. Now, in C.S. Lewis's mind, the author C.S. Lewis, being a Christian, was representing what sin does to us, what the nightmares are us giving in to temptation along the way. And on this trip, uh, the crew and Edmund and Eustace are all overcome with these extraordinary nightmares, these fears, things that you don't want to repeat or you'll think about them tonight. But little Lucy, standing on the deck and along for the same ride, pushes away these fears because she trusts Aslan the lion, who represents Christ in the stories. And along the voyage, she actually prays, she cries out to Aslan, meet me here, help me here. And very quietly, Aslan speaks to her, courage, dear one, we're not there yet. Others are terrified, their nightmares may be coming to life, but Lucy keeps turning her fear over to Aslan. And as they approach their destination, it starts to occur to her that the many things they're afraid of never actually happen. Suddenly, the dark, terrifying sea goes to gray, and then the blue sky opens up, and there is their destination. And she says in her heart, there was no reason to be afraid. Aslan was with me all along. What difference does it make? What difference does it make if you're a Christian or not? Here it is. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always provide for you. Don't be afraid. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment that we would hand over to God our fears that we will not have what we need and we will ask God's forgiveness for coveting and being afraid we would not get what we want. We're going to ask God to forgive us for letting money be our passion and our pursuit instead of Him and His character. And we're going to ask God to take that worry away that we would not be afraid because He's with us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't left you. He's always with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pause in this moment, God, and for those who are believers in Christ, God, I ask simply that you would take away that fear thank you, God, for this reminder. And we thank you, God, for this instruction that we cultivate contentment in our lives, that we don't worry about having what we need. You'll take care of us. You do want us to ask. You do want us to pray. But you meet us where we are. That's the difference. And God, I pray for each one of us now, whatever we're concerned about, burdened about, whatever needs are before us, God, we hand that off to you, Father, trusting you to take care of us along the way this journey of life. And God, forgive us for coveting what other people have. Forgive us for falling into the trap of worrying about not getting what we want. God, I pray as you 
cultivate contentment in our lives that what we need would become what we want, that we would be of one heart and mind with you, that you would remind us, God, you walk alongside us, you take care of us, you know what comes next and you've already provided for us on the road ahead. I pray for individuals in this room, families and individuals at home, because, God, we have our own particular concerns. We're in seasons and stages of life, God. Whatever that might be, we give that to you today. And we thank you, God. We do not need to be afraid. We can boldly declare the Lord is my helper. You are with us in this time, in this season that we're walking through right now. Father, there might be one or two at home this morning that have never trusted Christ as their Savior. And, and that worry is on us, God. What would happen to us if today were our last day on earth? Why don't we have a relationship with you right now? Why do we hear sermons and they don't connect with us? How can we know that you're with us? So, Father, with them, I pray this prayer to trust Christ as their Savior. If you're speaking to their hearts today, I pray today would be the day they put all their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, asking Him by faith to be forgiven of their sins and to for Him to come into their lives, God, to trust Him as their Savior. So, God, if there's one Father here or at home that they would pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Maybe I've denied it. Maybe I've turned my back on you, but I know it's true. I'm a sinner, and I can't save myself. At the core of my character, there's a problem, and I know that it's sin. And I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for me and that you're alive today. So I ask by faith, Lord Jesus, that you would come into my life. I receive you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a home in heaven. And from this day forward, I will follow Christ. You have promised you would never leave me or forsake me. I believe that promise starting today and I walk with Christ. Father, for all of us here and at home, I pray, God, you would meet us right where we are. Father, cleanse us, purge us of unrighteousness, fill us with your Holy Spirit, walk with us day by day, God, and take away that fear of not having what we need and that pursuit of what we want and help us, God, to cultivate contentment in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.